Good morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to the series entitled Text, T-X-T. We're taking a look at some of the great texts, some of the great scriptures in the Word of God. Now, when you talk about great texts and scriptures and favorites and powerful and important how do you narrow down the list? I mean, have you ever stopped to think about what some of your most favorite scriptures are? Any of you have a, a list you've written down or maybe you've memorized? I would venture to say you've probably gotten more than just one or two. There's probably a number of scriptures that really impact you, right? Uh, based on this situation, you rely upon this verse in the Word of God. Or when you're, you're facing this situation, well, you lean on this scripture in the Word of God. So we might not be covering all of your favorites or all of the ones that are your go-to scriptures, but these are certainly some powerful ones. Uh, so far, we've looked at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We've looked at the Word of God, getting into God's Word, allowing it to get into our hearts. Last week, we looked at Ephesians 2, 8, and we looked at grace. Uh, what is grace? Why do we need it? And so we've explored those things. So let me ask you, though, uh, you, you've probably had some of your favorite scriptures in mind. What do you think would be the most popular scripture in all of God's words? Just, just yell it out. There we go. John 3.16. I think that's probably universally recognized as the most familiar and the most uh, recognized and probably memorized verse of scripture. Now, what if I were to say to you, after John 3.16, what do you think would be some of the most familiar or popular or favorite scriptures that are shared online or uh, posted online or liked by people around the world? Besides John 3.16, on the count of three, I want you to yell out a scripture you think uh, might be up in that top five or top ten. Are you ready? One, two, three. We got all kinds of scriptures going on. Now, um, the, the good news and bad news is your answer is probably right somewhere. Somewhere in the world, somewhere in this nation, your scripture is probably at the top of the list. Now, taking a look at a couple of things, uh, the Bible app. Uh, Uversion.com, uh, that's the one we've mentioned about. That's the one I, I read from every day. Uh, they're able to track, you know, the verses that people highlight online, the verses that people share. Uh, they, they do some of the, the Bible verses. In fact, I, I share that every single day on my page and the church page, uh, you know, kind of the, the verse scripture, if you would. And so they're able to track uh, how people respond to God's word. So between the Bible app, which is uversion.com, and Bible Gateway, which is another large uh, website with uh, Bible resources and study tools as well, they're able to track those that are searched, you know, top searched for scriptures. So uh, kind of combining the two, we're going to come up with an unofficial, unofficial top five. Are you ready? In no particular order outside, obviously, John 3.16, which is most well-known, most familiar, uh, you know, well-searched. But here are some other scriptures that are also very popular. Let's see if you agree. Jeremiah 29.11. 
It's a verse that gets used a lot at this time of year as uh, young people are graduating. And the scripture says what? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11 is often in that top five of liked, shared, searched scriptures. How about this one? Philippians 4, 13. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As well, one of the most searched and shared scriptures. Or how about this one from Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, right? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So all of those, we'd probably say, I'm, I'm aware of those, and, and we would say that would be in there. Here's another one that often is in that top five of shared or searched or liked or commented scriptures, and it's also the scripture we're going to be looking at this morning. Romans 8, 28. And here's what it reads. It says, And we know that all things work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, chances are good that you've heard or shared that scripture, but not quite the way the scripture reads. And chances are good that that scripture might not mean what you think it means or what you hope it means or what you've spread it to be or to mean. Because Many times people look at that scripture and it's, it's the promise that God will always remove your troubles. Listen, Romans 8.28 is, is not a promise that God will always make you happy. It's not a promise that the doctor's report is always going to be good. It's not a promise that you will always have enough money left at the end of the month. It's not a guarantee of health. It's not a guarantee of wealth. It's not a guarantee of perfect events. And the scripture often tends to be shortened down to six words. These are the ones that we hear most. These might be the ones that you have shared or even said most. All things work together for good. We hear that a lot. We share it. We kind of shorten it to that That. Those six words. All things work together for good. So no matter what, someone says, you know what? All things work together for good. If something bad happens, all things work together for good. Something good happens, oh, all things work together. No matter what, we condense this scripture down to six words. All things work together for good. Now, those six words are in this verse, but we're going to take a look kind of phrase by phrase throughout this entire scripture. We can tend to make the verse many times about us. All things work together for good. In other words, I don't really like this, but I'm going to like what's coming because all things work together for good. And we make it many times about us and not so much about God and what he's doing in us. So certainly this verse is a promise that we can stand on, but we've got to do so correctly. And so I invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verse 28, kind of phrase by phrase. And the main truth of today is this. We stand on God's promises no matter what your problem is. 
Now, this is an incredible and a powerful promise from God's word, and we, we can stand on it no matter what it is that we face. But again, we want to do so accurately and correctly. So let's take a look then at uh, maybe a definition of God's promises. What are God's promises? How would you describe or define the promises of God as we take a look at this verse? So first of all, we see that God's promises are certain. I mean, start out with those first several words, and we know. Aren't you thankful for things that you can be certain of? I mean, we don't like uncertainty, right? We've been living through COVID now since, uh, since March. It's really been kind of in high gear, March, April, May, June, into July. And how many of you know we've probably experienced just a wee little bit of uncertainty? Okay, maybe a whole lot more than we, right? There's uncertainty about all kinds of things uh, between uh, recommendations and mandates, uh, between everything from the, the hand washing issue, the social distancing issue, the masks issue, the businesses shut down or back. I mean, there's all kinds of uncertainty. But one thing we know for sure are the promises of God. I'm thankful Paul doesn't write. He, he doesn't say, well, you know, we think that here's some things we can stand upon. He doesn't say, we, we hope or we pray or we speculate. This is what God's promises might be. He states a fact. And we know. And the rest of the scripture is the certainty of the promise that we know. We don't have to toss and turn in anxiety, but we know we can have a certainty when it comes to God and his promises. Not just this scripture, but all the other scriptures, there are promises contained and, and we can be certain of them. Certainly, the past experiences that you and I have faced, they can assure us of the certainty of God's promise. Paul had been through a lot. Paul was Saul, and, and yet uh, as he surrendered his heart and his life to God, he encountered a lot of difficulties, right? Everything from imprisonment to beatings to shipwreck. And, and I mean, he'd faced so many uh, different difficulties. He was betrayed. He was beaten. He was stoned. And through it all, God showed himself faithful. Now, what do we think about Paul, but... Let's get personal and think about your life. Can't you look back to the past and see how faithful God has been to you? And based on those past experiences, based on God's faithfulness, it encourages you, it assures you that you can be certain of God and his promises even today. I'm thankful for the faithfulness of God. In fact, take just a moment. Just, just a moment and think, last week, last month, last year, maybe go back a number of years and think about what God has done in and through and for you. Be, be thinking about some of those past experiences. God has been with you in the midst of all of your difficulties. It's a certainty of the promise. That doesn't mean he's removed them all, but he's been with you. We can be certain. He knows what you're facing. 
He cares about what you're facing. And so all of those past experiences show us that God's in charge and that God will be with us. The proper perspective that we have can assure us. As Paul writes a number of scriptures, he talks about the future. He he talks about eternity, not just about the present. Paul's got that right perspective. Sometimes you and I, we're only focused on what's right in front of us, right? We want today to be awesome. And sometimes we lose sight of next week, next month, next year, the big picture of what God has in store for us. Paul's saying, listen, this this is uh, thinking about things in the proper perspective, thinking about things of eternity, not just about today and tomorrow. But most importantly, it's God's character that assures us of the certainty of his promises. I mean, you read through the word of God. Don't you find so many different places and so many different scriptures that tell us about who God is? Here's just one brief one. Psalm 149 verse, uh, 145 verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. That's, that's just one verse of Scripture in the entirety of God's Word that talks about the good and merciful and compassionate God. That's the God. That's the one who has power and might and His presence and His provision. We can count on Him. We can trust in Him. We have the certainty of His promises because of who God is. This isn't the only place Paul writes about certainty. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we look at the promises of God, when we look at the promises of his word, they are certain. We can stand on his promises no matter what our problem is. So when it comes to his promises, They are certain. Secondly, God's promises are complete. There is nothing lacking in God's promises. We continue, Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things, all things. Uh, Paul didn't say, well, uh, I think that many things are going to work together for good. He says, I know that all things. It's complete. Now, here's the good news and the bad news. Uh, are you ready? Don't you hate it when someone says, I got good news and bad news, and, and someone's like, well, well, give us the good news first, and, and someone says, no, no, I always start with the bad news and with the good news, and, and then you argue about it, and someone just says, well, just say something. Okay? Good news is that this continues and includes all things. Ready for, ready for the bad news? The bad news is, All things does not only mean good things, right? We know there is a certainty of God's promise that all things are going to work together. All things. All things certainly include good things. And if you enjoy some good things, say a hearty amen, right? We enjoy good things. We enjoy salvation and and family and friends and health and and being able to uh, have things provided for. I mean, we like good things. And so when good things happen, we say, praise God. Wow, all things really are working together. 
But how many of you know life isn't only about good things? Anybody ever experienced that? Seriously? You found out that life contains more than just good things? You're right. Now, just a, a few moments ago, we encourage you to think about the blessings of God, maybe the faithfulness of God. And so we look back and we say, man, I'm thankful for all of these things. And yes, we would say all of those things are working together for our good. Yes, praise the Lord. All things do include good things. But all things sometimes include difficult things. How many of you would rather have good things than difficult things? Yeah. But difficult times, difficult things, God can even use those to strengthen us in our faith, to grow us and develop us. True? Sometimes we almost grow more or we're stretched more in the difficult times than in the good times. Many times in the good times... People feel self-sufficient. I, I don't maybe need God as much. Uh, we kind of give ourselves credit. Things are going well. I'm, I'm thankful for good times, but, you know, God didn't have much to do with this because it was my wealth or my strength or my health or my this or my that. So we're thankful for good things and good times, but sometimes we're stretched and we grow quite a bit in the difficult times. Those are times we, we can't handle life on our own. And we turn to God. Those are times when there really is nowhere else to turn but God. You look all through Scripture. I mentioned Paul just a minute ago. Obviously, Paul writing this text. Paul went through a lot of difficult times. Paul certainly did not have easy street life. Paul went through some difficult times. I would venture to say... You and I can look back, and yes, we can, we can look at the good times that God has blessed us with. But we would probably also be able to look back at those tough times, those difficult times, those trying times, those stretching times. They are faith-building experiences. Maybe not as much when you're in it, right? But when you can kind of look back at it, and you can see how you've grown and how God stretched and developed you, God's promises are complete. His promises are not just that you'll have good times. Not just that you'll face good things. We know that all things are working together. Not just the good things. Not just the difficult things. How many of you know sometimes life includes bad things? And maybe you faced a bunch of those. We're thankful for the good things and, and we kind of muddle through the difficult things. We'd rather skip right over those bad things. They're painful experiences, but they as well can also equal good things in our lives. They can be used for our blessing and for our benefit. We would prefer not to learn that way. We would prefer not to grow that way. We would prefer not to stand upon those promises. But it doesn't make it any less true. All things Good things, difficult things, bad things are working together. Think about Joseph in the Old Testament, right? Had dreams, and God was going to use him in a mighty way. He opened his mouth, shared his dreams, and what did his brothers do? Put him in the 
well. Sold him into slavery. And God was elevating and promoting him. And, and, and yet in the midst, he was falsely accused, imprisoned. God elevated him again, placing him second in control of Egypt. Remember, towards the end of uh, the book of Genesis, the, the brothers came and and Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, here is Joseph's quote. And you could probably attribute this quote to the bad things he had gone through. Brother selling you into slavery, bad things. Falsely accused of a crime, bad things. Being in prison when you shouldn't be, bad things, right? Genesis 50, verse 20. He spoke to his brothers. He said, you intended to harm me. You intended bad things to happen in my life, is what he said. But God, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God allowed and God was able to take what was bad and use it for good. I don't think we would look at Joseph and say, you know, being thrown down in a well was good. I wouldn't call that good. Being sold into slavery, I wouldn't call that good. Being falsely accused of something I didn't do, I wouldn't call that good. Thrown into prison, being forgotten about, all of those things I would not call good. I'd probably not call diff difficult. I'd just go straight to bad and say bad things. Joseph said, listen, brothers, what you meant for bad God was able to take, and God used it for good. God can take the bad and make it good. God can even take the schemes of the enemy and turn it for good. Think about Job. The enemy, Satan, came and talked about Job, and God said, look at this faithful man of God. And, and Satan said, you know, if you just let me at him, he will curse you and deny you. God allowed Certain things up to a certain point. Job went through incredible hardship after incredible hardship. And in the end, he was faithful to God. And in the end, God did bless and bring about some incredible blessings, even greater than he had when he began. So when we talk about all things and the promises of God, we really do mean all things. It's all-inclusive. There's, there's nothing that God can't use or take to shape and mold us into the image of his son, Jesus. That, that's his, his goal, right? We are to become Christ-like, more like him. God can use those good things. God can use those difficult things. God can even use those bad things to shape us and mold us to be like him. Do we always understand it? No. Do we always like or enjoy it? No. Sometimes there are things that make us cry. God can use them. Things that make us smile. God can use them. Things that want to make us want to quit. Things that make us want to press on. God can take and use all of those things for our good. We don't always see it right now. All things, God's using all things for you and I. We can stand on his promises no matter what that problem we face is. So we see so far, God's promises are certain. They're a guarantee. We can stand upon them. They're complete. It includes everything. 
good, bad, and difficult. Thirdly, God's promises are coordinated. Because the scripture says, we know that all things work together. God's, God's coordinating the good and the bad and the difficult. God's using them together. Not everything in our life that we face is good. Not everything that's produced in our lives is good. But all of those events, uh, the entirety, the good, the difficult, the bad, all of it's coordinated. All of it God can take and work together for our good. Think of it this way. I, I think I know in advance what your answer is, but I'll say it anyway. How many of you like cakes, brownies, and cookies? Let me see that hand, Bricky. There we go. Take a brownie and a cookie and smash them together, and you get a brookie, right? Oh, we love those, and it doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a, a boxed... Uh, boxed cake or a, a made-from-scratch uh, cake or made-from-scratch cookie. I mean, we like it. But how many of you would, would go home and stick a, stick a, a big spoon and, and take out a, a big chunk of that uh, cake mix and just eat it before adding anything to it? A few of you would. If you're doing stuff from scratch, how many of you would go home and take a, a big spoonful of flour and guzzle it down or you just go and take a big stick of butter and throw it in your mouth you take and crack a raw egg kind of like rocky back in the day and just swish it around and guzzle it or you take that little uh, uh little container of vanilla and you'll take a swig chances are good Though you might like some of the ingredients, you don't like all of the ingredients. I mean, you probably drink milk. You probably, many of you like eggs if they're cooked a certain way. But I mean, raw eggs and flour and, you know, just eating salt by itself. By itself, they're terrible. But boy, you put it together... Take all of those ingredients in the proper proportion, mixed at the proper time, and baked at the proper time, and I'm, boy, I'm going to get you hungry already. We're, we're, skipping, we're skipping dinner. We're going straight for dessert this morning. But when it's all done properly, we end up with a piece of cake. We end up with a cookie or a brownie. We end up with something that is delectable. Why? They're all working together. It's a coordinated kitchen event. Now we take our, our life. And some of the events in our lives, man, we love them. Some of the events in our lives we don't love so much. But God's taking all of these things, and, and he's, he's working and, and kind of smashing them all together. He's, he's using them to guide and direct us and help us to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. Dr. Handley Mool, the uh, British Bible teacher who died in the early 1900s, uh, was a brilliant uh, study of the Word of God. And at one particular time, he was called to the scene of a terrible accident at a British coal mine. 
It's kind of one of those situations, a tragedy happens and and nobody knows why. We certainly wouldn't look at this as one of the good things of life. Uh, We probably wouldn't even look at this as the difficult thing of life. We would look at a, a tragedy, an accident, a loss of life as part of those bad things. So friends and relatives of the victims gathered together, and, and here's some of how he addressed them. He said, it's, it's difficult for us to understand why God should allow an awful disaster to happen. But we know him, and we trust him, and all will be right. And here's how he put it. He says, I have at home an old bookmarker given to me by my mother. It's worked in silk, and and when I examine the wrong side of it, I see nothing but a tangle of threads. It looks like one giant mistake. But when I turn it over and look at the right side, I see there, beautifully embroidered are the words, God is love. You see, we are looking at all of this today from the wrong side. Someday, we shall see it from another standpoint, and we will understand. So whether it's uh, the, the old 18, 1900s bookmark, or whether it's that uh, some of you uh, work together on a throw or on some kind of blanket. And, and on the one side is the pattern. On the one side is the design, right? And on the other side are all your stitches and cuts. And, and I don't know all the technical terms to talk about it, but we've seen both sides. And the encouragement is we've got to turn to and look to and stand upon and gaze at the right side. So many times we're looking at that messed up side and we're saying, I don't understand why this is here. I don't understand why I'm going through that. And and, and so many of us, we'd come around you and say the same thing. I don't understand and it hurts. Sometime, at some point and someday, we will understand from the other side. So scripture is saying, listen, we can have a certainty about God's promise It's complete. God is using all things, and it's a coordinated effort. It's working together. We can stand on God's promises no matter what our problem is. Fourthly, God's promises are compassionate. We read about the scripture, the description of God, how he's a good God, loving and compassionate. It says, Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good. We like that part. God's a compassionate God. But sometimes we've got to look at that definition or really explore about what good means. Because God is not the cause or direct cause of everything that takes place in this world. God can allow things, but God does not necessarily cause everything. But who gets blamed every time something goes wrong? Well, God did it. Why would God do this? And why would God do that? And God is, God is accused, God is blamed of doing everything when sometimes, yes, God allows things to take place. Not everything that God allows is good. It's not God's heart, it's not God's desire, yet God allows things to take place, right? Think about the scriptures. 
I mean, not very long after creating the universe and not very long after creating Adam and Eve, was it God's desire that Adam and Eve would sin and eat from the fruit of the tree that he very specifically said don't do? Not God's desire, but God allowed it. Not much later, right? You've got Cain and Abel, those battling brothers. Was it God's desire for Cain to kill Abel? No. God allowed that to take place, but that, that was not his desire. And you can go all through the scriptures and see there are bad things that happen, bad things that take place, sinful things. And people say, why did God do this? Why did God do that? God allows certain things to take place, even from some rather godly individuals. The King David's a rather complex biblical character, right? Man after God's own heart, and we say, that's what God wants. But did God truly desire for King David to lust after Bathsheba? Commit sexual sin with Bathsheba and then kill her husband so he could have her as his wife? I don't think that's God's heart. Let me get a little more stronger. That is definitely not God's heart. Yet God allowed that to take place. So, when bad things happen, don't automatically jump in and blame God. It's a big difference between what God initiates or causes and what God allows. God allows, but does not desire for there to be a sinful world. God allows, but does not desire for there to be sinful choices that you and I make. God allows, but does not desire foolish decisions to be made. You ever made a foolish decision? It, it ended up really kind of messing you up and, you know, causing some troubles. That was your choice. You had the opportunity to make that decision. So, yes, God can take all of these things and, and use them for our good. But let's be cautious. Let's not call bad things good. And, and this, particularly when it comes to the scripture, and particularly when we shorten and we say, all things work together for good. We leave out the beginning, and we'll get to the ending. That's coming up soon. So we leave out the beginning, we leave out the ending, and we simply say, all things work together for good. So when something bad happens to somebody, we're quick to say, well, don't worry. All things work together for good. And what we're minimizing is we're minimizing the bad that's happened, as if what was bad really wasn't bad. We're almost saying, ha-ha, that's good. You lost your job? Awesome. And they're looking at you funny. Oh, well, you know, all things work together for good. And you're minimizing the bad that they've just experienced. There are so, and there are so many times, maybe you have, and I'm sure I have at some point, where we, we kind of minimize the bad that somebody has. Listen, let's not, when someone goes through a difficulty, it's bad. Now, we know that God can take that and God can use that and he can use it for good, but that still makes it a bad thing. But we're still not happy when someone loses a job or loses a family member or has a, a difficult diagnosis from a doctor. So we don't necessarily need to call bad things 
good. Let's not pretend that they're facing a, a good thing. Acknowledge sometimes it's painful. Acknowledge some of those things are, are hard to go through. And as well, let's be cautious. Let's not, not try to explain the unexplainable. We are humans and we want things explained, right? We want our questions answered. Why God? What God? When God? How God? And sometimes we, we try to explain why bad things happen. Take whatever it is, a bad situation, and we don't know what to say, but we want to try to say something, so we try to explain, well, here's why that happened. I hate to break it to you, but not a one of us in this room are God other than God. And so it's, it's presumptuous on our part to try to tell people what God was thinking when we don't always know what God was thinking. So we've got to be cautious. God is compassionate. Let us be compassionate as well. I mean, sometimes we can get kind of a glimpse of what God's doing, or sometimes maybe after some time has passed, we can look back and, and maybe see what God was doing. But let's be cautious before we jump in and try to explain, oh, let me tell you why that happened, when we don't really know why that happened. Sometimes we just need to be okay not explaining something. I don't always understand the why, but I tell you what, I've got my trust in God. I don't know why you're going through this situation. I don't know why you're faced with that difficulty, but I know that God loves you. I know that God cares you. I know that God wants to be with you. That's a, that sounds a whole lot different than saying, well, let me tell you why. Sometimes we make foolish decisions. Sometimes we, we make sinful choices and and there, there are reasons, but there's many times we don't always understand the why. Develop a long-term perspective and, and seek God's development rather than his deliverance. It's a challenging one. We would rather be delivered from something. We would rather to have that difficulty taken out of our life. God, deliver me. God, take me out of this situation. Sometimes God does. Sometimes God miraculously heals. Sometimes God miraculously provides. Sometimes God does some incredible things. Sometimes as well, God develops us in the midst of our difficulties. And so as a part of this, understanding that all things work together for good, God's a loving, God's a compassionate God. Sometimes we, we always want to have the answer for the why, and we always want to be delivered from the thing. Understand sometimes God can take that. God can use that to develop us in cases when maybe he chooses not to immediately deliver us. We can stand on his promises no matter what our problem is. They're certain. They're complete, coordinated, compassionate. Now let's get to the fun part. Finally this morning, God's promises are conditional. You see, well, we, we cut off the first part, and we typically cut off the last part. We say, all things work together for good, meaning no matter what, good things are coming. We leave off the and we know. We leave off the certainty part, but we often leave off this last part. So let's, let's read the entire scripture. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. 
and are the called according to his purpose. That's the who the good things will be worked out for. It's not blanket statement that says all things work together for good no matter what. It's all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. In a sense, you, you might say there is a, a little bit of fine print here. The, the promise is, in a sense, kind of somewhat limited in scope. This is talking about the Christian. This is talking about the, the believer, the one who has that relationship with God. That's, those are the individuals we know God's taking and working and using all of these things for the good of those who are loving and following and serving him. So we've got to be cautious that we don't kind of flippantly toss it out to say, well, anyone and everyone and anywhere, hey, all things work together for good. The assurance is when our hearts and our lives were grounded in God, he's first in us. We love God. We're, we're called according to his purpose. We want him to grow up and develop and, and, and stretch us and, and, and use all of those things we've talked about, but use those things for the good. That is for the Christian. That is for the believer. We can rest on that. The condition is... We've got to have our lives right with God. As a Christian, as someone who's, who has that relationship with God and we stand upon him, yes, we can be certain, we can know that all things are going to work together for the good of those who love God. It doesn't always mean it's the way that we want, the way that we hope, the way that we desire, but he can take and work and use those things for our good. We can stand on his promises no matter what our problem is. God's promises are certain. God's promises are complete. God's promises are coordinated. They work together. God's promises are compassionate. He's a God of love. God's promises are conditional. Stand on God's promises no matter what your problem is. Yes.